Welcome to A Love for the Bible, Series 4, Session 6. This is Dave Clark. During Series 4, Session 5, I shared Chapters 4 and 5 from my book, A Heart for the Bible. The titles of these chapters are The Benefits and Not Enough Time Building a Habit. These chapters summarize the benefits from regularly reading the Bible and a great way to receive these benefits, building a Bible reading habit. Today, I'll be reading the first part of chapter six, titled Trusting and Obeying. I will be concentrating on the importance of trusting. So now let's begin chapter six, Trusting and Obeying. Why we can trust. We need to start with the knowledge that God loves us. We can sense his love from the beauty we see in the sunset, the ocean, or majestic mountains. I can remember a trip my family and I took to Japan, and a highlight was hiking on Mount Fuji. There was something beautiful and beckoning about this mountain covered with an awesome mist. There was also a sense of mystery in the wonder of the sight. This reminded me how big God is worthy of our trust. Examples of trust. As we read the historical parts of the Bible, we can see many examples of those who trusted God. For example, starting with the Old Testament in the book of Genesis, Abraham and Sarah left their land for a new promised land. They left their old way with many gods because they felt God spoke to Abraham with the true way and direction. How much trust he needed to venture out, not knowing where God was leading him, and taking with him other family members who also were leaving their old way behind. Their trip was not without challenges. They stayed for a while in Egypt, where the inhabitants had their own unique culture, and Sarah was taken into Pharaoh's harem. Abraham continued to trust God, and eventually Sarah was released. Now, going further on in the book of Genesis, let's take a look at the story of Joseph, son of Jacob. He trusted God enough to be faithful, even though he was sold into slavery by his brothers. It would have been easy for him to be bitter after that experience, but he still trusted God while he was an Egyptian slave. With his eyes on God, he ended up being respected for the work he did and being placed in charge of his master's affairs. His master's wife tried to seduce him, but he resisted her advances. After being falsely accused by the wife, he was unjustly put into prison. This still didn't deter Joseph from trusting God, and he ended up running the warden's affairs. Later, he became recognized for his predictions predicting a famine in Egypt. The Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of saving up grain to be prepared for this event. Finally, with this great responsibility, Joseph used his position to save his own father and brothers, forgiving his brothers for what they had done to him. Joseph was certainly a stellar example of one trusting God, whatever the circumstances. Going now to the book of 2 Samuel. 
David took on being a king, even though he was only raised to be a shepherd. He might have wondered how he, the youngest in his family, could be chosen for this high position. Instead of obeying God, he did what God asked of him. However, it took some time before he was actually crowned. Saul was the formal king of Israel, though he failed to in following closely what God asked of him. Saul became jealous of David and even tried to kill him. Despite these struggles, David continued to trust God and to seek to live as God called him. At one point, he had the chance to kill Saul, but David chose instead to honor Saul as the current king. In God's timing, David was placed the new king. David at times lost sight of God's direction, particularly when he had an affair with Bathsheba. However, David repented and was eventually restored to God's favor. Now looking to the book of Job. Job never lost a desire to seek God, even through tremendous stress. He initially was very rich and blessed by God. He was respected by those around him. However, for a reason only known by God, Job lost everything. He lost his home, possessions, and even his children. His body was also in pain. Not only that, he was unfairly rebuked by all his friends. They believed the only cause for this happening could have been some sins Job had committed. When Job protested he was innocent of these accusations, they said he was deceiving himself. While Job appealed to God for his situation, he still kept his faith. In the end, he was rewarded and regained prosperity and children. Going now to 2 Kings, Hezekiah didn't give in to his assailants even when greatly outnumbered due to God's encouragement. He was not overwhelmed by the great numbers of his enemies. They openly laughed at him, trying to resist them because of their great numbers. Still, Hezekiah looked to God for guidance. He was encouraged that the Lord would fight for him. And he didn't give in to the enemy's ridicule. In the end, the Lord did fight for Hezekiah, and thousands of the enemy were found dead. The enemy king stopped trying to fight. The enemy king stopped trying to fight Hezekiah. In the New Testament, book of Matthew, the apostle Peter made mistakes but never lost hope in Jesus. He kept his trust that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. But Peter was impulsive and sometimes thought from a human standpoint. He tried to dissuade Jesus from being crucified, and Jesus rebuked Peter for discouraging him from God's purpose. In fact, Jesus told him to, quote, get behind me, Satan, Matthew 16, 23. When Jesus was taken by the Roman soldiers to be crucified, Peter denied Jesus three times. Still, after Jesus rose from the dead, Peter regained his faith and became a central leader in supporting Jesus' church. And finally, in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul underwent beatings and shipwrecks, but didn't lose sight of his calling. At first, Peter didn't believe in the Christian way and even persecuted those who, who did. Yet after he had a vision of Jesus, his life turned around and persistently sought to do Jesus' work. He actively preached about Jesus and wrote many letters to support Christian churches. 
He kept his trust throughout his life, even eventually dying at the hands of the Romans. Once we decide to trust God, the natural next step is to obey him. For instance, as a little child, we first learn to trust our parent. Our parents feed us, is honest with us, and keeps us safe. At that point, when our parent says, you must never cross the street by yourself, we are more inclined to do what our parent says, even if we don't understand completely why this is the case. In my own experience, I found it important to obey God in choosing my career. Initially, I was trained as a teacher and believed it was a field I was called into. However, my first teaching experience was very difficult, teaching math to adolescents. I took stints into other fields, including marketing research and accounting. But eventually I was able to go back to teaching and found this the most rewarding. My last and longest teaching environment, which was at the college level, actually made use of things I learned in business. This was particularly true in teaching statistics, which I often, where I often gave examples from my marketing research experience. Given that all that has been said about trusting and obeying God, what does this have to do with reading the Bible? We can't obey God if we don't know what he wants us to do. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. In chapter 9, there are practical ways shown how to obey. In particular, when you read the Bible, it is helpful to answer the questions, what does it say, what does it mean, and what will I do? Answering these questions can be a springboard towards obeying God as he speaks to us. Thank you to our listeners for joining me for series three, excuse me, series four, session six of A Love for the Bible. Series 4, Session 7 will air beginning Tuesday, April 26th.